Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Bird Show. Kristen is bringing in this list today. I guess we're going to get all philosophical here. Uh, I think I have had, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purposely be a little bit cryptic here, um, an epiphany over the course of the last couple of months that you I think when you have the personality of sort of a fighter that you can fight and fight and fight until you get to a miserable point before you say, okay, it's time for me to change the situation. Now I'm miserable. And I think I've just now started to realize you don't have to get to that point. No, you don't. <laughs> you really don't have to get to that low to be able to go, you know what? Yeah. It's time for a change. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw this headline, the eight most common ways people make themselves miserable according to a philosopher. And I found it intriguing. And then I read the article and I found it incredibly interesting, learned something new. And so I wanted to share it in case it could be beneficial to any of you guys or anybody listening. I mean, I think everybody goes <clears throat> through miserable times in their mm-hmm. life, right? But as a general rule, if you find like life is miserable, yes. it's time to take a left turn. Mm-hmm. So this is from Jessica Stillman. She's a contributor at Inc.com. And I didn't realize that there is a phenomenon called subtraction bias. People tend to prefer to solve problems by addition rather than subtraction. So you look at your life and you're miserable. miserable. So you feel like you have to add a bunch of stuff. Like I got to meditate or I got to do yoga or Mm. I, I need to get a hobby or I need to go out and party or I need to like hang out with friends rather than looking at your life and subtracting things, Mm. right? So that's called subtraction bias and it's very common for many people. So in this article, you're going to hear from two experts, okay? First, you have Harvard happiness researcher. (laughs) Yes, that is a job. His name is Arthur Brooks. And he recently pointed out in The Atlantic, we can improve well-being by adding joy to our lives, but we can also achieve the same aim by subtracting misery. So yeah, when I was talking about that addition, some of that stuff is very beneficial, but don't get so consumed with adding things that you forget, hey, let me look at my life and see what I might need to subtract Mm. in order to achieve happiness and joy and get rid of misery. That makes sense. sense. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, I think being a happy researcher is a stressful job. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I do. He's probably miserable. (laughs) (laughs) So you have Arthur Brooks, who's the Harvard Happiness Research, and then you also have Bertrand Russell, and he is a philosopher, a Nobel laureate, and he, he believed unhappiness to be very largely due to mistaken views of the world. And he broke down some common misery-inducing mistakes into these eight categories. Okay. And as with most things, 
it's so obvious. Did this guy go to Harvard also or is this a Kennesaw State grad? <laughs> well, I don't know. He was writing stuff in the 30s, so <laughs> okay. I'm not really sure right. uh, what, what where he went. So number one, fashionable pessimism. In plenty of circles these days, being grumpy and cynical mm. is taken as a sign of depth and intelligence. This is not a new phenomenon. Brooks points out, melancholy was all the rage in Victorian times, too. Choosing moodiness to look cool was dumb then, mm -hmm. continued to be dumb in Russell's time when he mocked it mercilessly, and is dumb now. So it's one thing, you know, to, it's, it's not, you know, complaining is one thing, and then being able to vent and talk about what's going on is another. But if you are constantly grumpy and cynical, that is mm -hmm. going to affect your mood. For sure. Number two, social comparison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays, man. Big one. Russell believed that what most people fear is not falling into destitution, but that they will fail to outshine their neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, keeping up with the Joneses is a never-ending game that can lead to lifelong discontent. And if you don't believe the Nobel laureate, there's modern science to prove it. Sure. The solution to social comparison, according to Russell, is to focus on what you have and feel grateful. Yeah, you could avoid that back in the 30s when old boy wrote this, but, I mean, nowadays you can't, right? I mean, mm -hmm. with social media, it's a t completely different problem. Mm -hmm. Well, remember, we have one bite guy in the 30s and one guy from today, So, because you, you got your happiness researcher. Now, envy is next on the list. They go closely linked to the above mistake. Envy is the condition of feeling bad because someone else has more than you. So Russell's proposed this cure for envy. Whoever wishes to increase human happiness must wish to increase admiration. Mm. Rather than suffer because of other people's excellence, celebrate and learn from it. Mm. So again, it's like tweaking little mindset stuff. All right, next is evading boredom. We are less bored than our ancestors were, Russell wrote in 1930, but we are more afraid of boredom. So imagine what he would have made of the smartphone area, era. But the truth is, no gadget or streaming service can fully save you from boredom. They can, however, distract you from essential but uncomfortable reflection and creative growth. The solution is to fight to regain your capacity mm. to just sit quietly and notice the world around you. I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> that, that whole boredom thing, man. I have fought with it and fought with it, and I am just not good at sitting still. Um, Are you right. guys? Uh, no, I'm not I'm good not. at it. I, mm -hmm. nah, nah, now that I think about it, not at all. I just know we don't have that problem, but no. Yeah, I'm terrible at it when I get a chance to do it. When we sort of sit still, I can lay in bed, but if I'm laying in bed, I got my laptop there, I got my phone there, <laughs> right. I got the TV on. Like, my mind, my body may be still, but my mind is, like, reeling. Yeah, we went through this a couple weeks ago, and my therapist said, yeah, she could just look out of her window for an hour. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, your life no sucks, bro. No, but it doesn't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got about a minute of looking out a window in me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right, so there's four more. Do you want to save them for tomorrow? You want to keep blowing through them? Your call. All right. So next on the list is coping with fear. Mm. Anxiety has only increased since Russell's day, and it remains a thief of joy. Russell believed that anxiety is rooted in fear of some danger we are unwilling to face. Now, Brooks, the happiness researcher, notes before highlighting modern science on the uh, biological basis of anxiety disorders. But whatever the cause of your free-floating fear not going to the effort of finding ways to tame it will make you miserable. So if you are struggling with anxiety, and th these are very real mental health issues, instead of just struggling in silence, you're going to have to take charge and do something about it. Next up is senseless guilt. 
Should you feel guilty and make amends if you did something wrong and hurt someone? Of course. But Russell argued against a baseless sense of sin or feeling guilty just because you are doing well and others are doing mm-hmm. less well. Mm-hmm. Oh, survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> oh, you finally got one on the list. I earned that. <laughs> All right. Our second to last one, virtuous victimhood. Russell again feels ahead of his time with his warning against playing the victim. Russell was critical of what he called persecution mania, in which one is perpetually the victim Mm. of ingratitude, unkindness, and treachery. One version of this is what some researchers have called virtuous victimhood, explains Brooks. Of course, sometimes people really are victims of injustice, but putting unending victimhood at the heart of your identity is a recipe for unhappiness. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is my biggest pet peeve with some people. I know. Is this whole victim thing, man. That's Everything happens to them, not for them. Everybody's against. That's my biggest pet peeve. And there are legit victims. Mm-hmm. And then there are legit people who have virtuous victimhood. Yeah, those are really good. And then last one, fear of public opinion. Mm. According to hospice nurses and others who work with the dying, among the most common deathbed regrets is living a life you thought others expected of you rather than the one that was true to you. Russell apparently would not have been surprised. One should, as a rule, and this is coming from Russell, one should, as a rule, respect public opinion in so far as is necessary to avoid starvation and to keep out of prison. But anything that goes beyond this <laughs> is voluntary submission to an unnecessary tyranny. Hey, man, and Ooh. all this social media and everything, we're all up in each other's business now. So mm-hmm. it's so hard to avoid some of these things. I know it's hard to avoid and it's so much easier to feed into wanting mm-hmm. like that public opinion and wanting the likes and the DMs. Trust me, I'm the, I'm the number one person <laughs> who wants that. But social when I read, media is definitely embedded mm-hmm. in a lot of that. Right. But when I read through that list, I was like... While some of it was a little wordy and I had to read it a couple times to make sure it sunk in, mm-hmm. I was like, this hit the nail on the head, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, what's the name of the article if people want to look it up? So, again, it was by Jessica Stillman. She's a contributor for Inc.com, and it's the eight most common ways people make themselves miserable. Um, Rebecca has the link, and we will share it on our Burt Show socials and also at the website. The Burt Show. Can your sexual and physical attraction grow if you don't feel it immediately when you're starting to date somebody? I think this is going to be a gender line thing here. But if you want to get in on this one eight five five bird show, I'm asking because one of my dudes out in California has just started to like take a friendship that they had to a- another level, right? Um, he and she have known each other. I'm not even exactly sure how many months. I think they started out as coworkers and they started hanging out and having beers and stuff like that. They had a lot of common. He was never physically like really attracted to her, but man, they just started like hitting it off and they're watching football games together and he's starting to feel it, right? So one thing leads to another after one of these football games and they go and they take it to the next level. I won't get into that because we have kids that are listening right now. And he kind of walks away from it going... Not really what I thought that was going to be. You know what? I'm not really totally and completely feeling that. But she checks all the other boxes. So he is wondering, like, if I just stick this out, can it grow? If I keep doing it. If I just keep trying. (laughs) Will I finally like it? Will I finally like it? (laughs) Like, so physically and emotionally. Hey, I ate yogurt long enough that I finally started liking it. They're the same thing. (laughs) It's the same thing. But... 
can it be said like because our DNAs and our wiring is different men and women that it's a more common story for a woman to say, no, I wasn't really attracted to the dude at first, but he grew on me. He's funny. Uh, and for whatever reason, he just, you know what? I found him more attractive and the physical part of it just wasn't as important. Whereas with guys, it's just kind of it's the other way around. Well, Abby has brought this to the table before and we've talked about how Men put women in boxes as soon as they meet them, and you can't get out of the box. I know this guy seems it's like rare. a complete. This guy seems like a complete unicorn with for the fact that mm-hmm. she has gotten out of the friend box mm-hmm. and into a very different box. <laughs> I, so, I, won- so is he? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I had to. I, I know that's why I put it out there. <laughs> I wonder almost if it has less to do with her physical appearance because it sounds like. He is attracted to her on some level. The emotional has started to kind of outweigh the actual physical. And I wonder if maybe she's just bad at it. one 855 Don't you? Uh, yeah, okay. I, I feel I, like it's, I had it. it's definitely more rare for men for that to ever happen. But if if that's the only issue, is that, that part of it, then I feel like it is possible. Like it can, mm. the chemistry can get better between two people with more practice, I believe. I mean, the first time I met my now husband, um, I mean, he was cute, but I wasn't, like, swooning over him. Like, I, he, he, it took two weeks after we met for the first time for him to reach out, and he was so witty in his email that I was bored. So I said, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing, nothing. else on my yeah. agenda. So, I mean, sure, it's a free dinner at Dudley's, which was, like, the nicest restaurant in our town, and I'm like, okay. Personality-wise, did he, like... Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But as far as like, you know, if you're talking about like, you know, sexual attraction and that physical attraction upon, you know, upon first meeting each other, I mean, it, it that if I'm being perfectly honest and I've said it before, it wasn't there mm-hmm. in that initial initial meetup. But uh, for what I think for women, it does grow. You know, I can't speak for men because, you know, I don't have those parts. But <laughs> I remember when Abby brought that to the table before, it's like because you guys are so visual. Mm-hmm. It's like either it's there or it's not. There's mm-hmm. no growing to it. You know, and I also said to him, like, maybe this was just my attitude on it is like the first time that. Um, you take it to the next level. The The bar for me was always set, like, really low. It's awkward unless you're nice, nice and buzzed and stuff like that. Um, it's awkward. And the first one is, is never the one that you're going to go, like, it's always going to be like this. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, it can get better, for sure. Cass? I think for me, the same thing. Every person that I've ever been attracted to it never started off with an over-the-head, like, oh, my God, you're the hottest person I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Including my husband, who, same, like, as Kristen talks about Bart, he was cute. I thought he was attractive, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, in the movies, we must kiss against the wall. <laughs> that always came later, and it was always personality first, but I think it depends on the person. I think some people have that gear where they really need to, like, get to know you first and kind of, like, like you on an emotional level to grow that other part, and other people do not. So it really depends what kind of person your friend is. It's really a beautiful part of women, but let me ask Mo. Um, Mo, have you ever been in a relationship with a woman that initially you weren't attracted to physically at all, but it ended up in a nice physical relationship? Honestly, yes. It, one time. It was only one time, and it was the most healthy relationship I've ever had. Really? It really was. And Where is she now? I don't know. 
The only reason it ended was because it was in college, and we both went to two different states, and it, it just didn't work out. But she was by far the most healthy relationship I ever had because it wasn't based on me being attracted to her like that in the beginning. It just kind of formed <laughs> from a friendship. So we're learning the healthiest relationships are the ones where you're not initially attracted to somebody? Yeah, yeah. and I never did it again. One and done. Hell no, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Get it? The Bird Show. Oh, they make it look so easy on the news, right? Reading off the teleprompter, you would almost think the news anchors were like just doing it off the top of their head. It's much more difficult than that. It's a piece of cake. We've done this. Uh, we did this, excuse me, a long time ago. Um, but we haven't done it since Abby has joined the show. So we're going to do the teleprompter challenge again. So our producer, Katie, has a computer with our scripts that we have written for each other. So Abby's going to go first. She is reading a script that she has yet to have seen, mm -hmm. and it was written by the one and only Burt Weiss. Yeah. So, oh, I'm nervous. All right, so there is an actual website where you just put your text in, and it will teleprompt, correctly. Yep. Uh, and Katie, you're the one that is using the arrow button. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, we have all written these for each other, and you were stuck with mine, okay? And mm -hmm. you have not seen it yet, so you are now on the set, and you are the news anchor getting this news. Okay, I'm ready. Whoa, stop what you're doing. Breaking news now on The Burt Show. In an unexpected turn of events, researchers at the University of Florida have discovered a secret ingredient behind their notorious Gatorade. Apparently, it's a blend of frustration. Can we restart? I feel like that's really fast. Well, yeah, you're going super fast. Because the they keep it's, <laughs> we, it's we, moving. We, it, 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 I was trying to read it because it kept disappearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, and I was like, I'm trying to catch up. Somebody put like can, some, we, can we get a redo? Someone put some cocaine in the teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. All right, I'll bring it up. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 right, right, right. when down. I when I when I get past the first line then press play. All right, All right Tommy, you you want to hit it again? Okay. <laughs> Whoa, stop what you're doing. <laughs> Breaking news now on the Bird Show. In an unexpected turn of events, researchers at the University of Florida have discovered the secret ingredient behind their notorious Gatorade. Apparently, it's a blend of frustration and confusion. Students report that attending classes feels like navigating a swamp with professors allegedly speaking in an ancient language known as complexity. In a recent study, it was found that the campus squirrels are more organized than some lecture schedules. In other news, the university's official mascot, the perpetually lost freshman, has won a nationwide competition for their impeccable ability to find every wrong classroom. Stay tuned for more updates as students debate whether their campus is secretly a training ground for a reality show titled The Lost in Academia. The good news is that the floor it's running out. The campus is undefeated. And <laughs> <laughs> we still need to slow it down. Slow it down! Katie, you can, you can stop it by dragging it, I think. Yeah, that was way too that, fast. The, 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 by the I'm way, you. you crushed it with all those you complex did. words. It's our teleprompter um, producer. It that... just... Or is it Tommy? <laughs> or is it... The last two lines were my favorite. Can we at least get to those? Mm -hmm. Rewind. It like she had less cocaine. That wait, time. wait, stop. Okay. The good... after, after I finish football. Okay. The good news is that the Florida Gators football team is still undefeated, keeping enthusiasm high on campus. Oh, wait, this just in breaking news. You have lost to Kentucky this weekend. <laughs> it's not breaking news. We know it very well. It was breaking when I wrote it. Yeah. So thank you for being our teleprompter guinea pig, Abby. But good job with your big words. Well done. Good job. She reads. Yeah, that thing was going way too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's dial that. Let's dial that. Speaking of down. which, do you guys listen to podcasts at all on like one and a half or two? Yeah. I do. Yeah. You do? Okay. It's the only way. I listen to them. People really? talk too slowly for me. I'm like, let's go, let's go. I'm the same way now. <laughs>
All right, so Mo, I didn't use big complex words. I went a different route. Okay, I'm I'm not any less scared. <laughs> we ready? Ready. Whoa! Stop what you're doing. <laughs> Breaking news now on the Bird Show. Good morning, I'm Risa Kins, and this is your morning report. <laughs> I woke up with a tummy ache and spent approximately 30 minutes on the toilet. When I finally stood up, I discovered both my legs were asleep, and I immediately <laughs> fell down. Because I'm an introvert and I live alone. I laid there by myself with no one to assist me and contemplated all of my life choices. Once I regained feeling in my legs, I got up and pulled up my underwear and pants. <laughs> Thankfully, I wiped sitting down so no poo <laughs> was transferred to my clothing. It's going super slow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Reese Kins for WWWQ. Back to you, Bert. <laughs> Was it speeding up and then slowing down? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> I had to wait for it on mine. Tommy, are you messing with him, or is that really the, the timing of it? No, Katie's controlling it. Okay, yeah, this is all Katie. This Tommy just okay. like gave her the computer. Well done. Yeah, nice job, Reese Kins. Well played. Reese Kins. <laughs> Okay, had I known the context of this challenge, I think I would have written my script a little bit more different. Yeah? I, it's still, like, quirky and fun, but I see where we're going with this. <laughs> oh, we can do it again. We can, we can do a redo. All right, so the computer okay. is now Who in front of Kristen. I wrote this one. That's, that's why I gave okay. the disclaimer. <clears throat> okay. Teleprompter on. Ready, Kristen? Yep. Whoa, stop what you're doing. Breaking news now on The Bird Show. Good evening, and thank you for joining K-Slut's 6 o'clock news. I'm Kristen Klingchern. Our top story tonight, a rat that seduced her way out of a L'Oreal makeup warehouse. Our sources from The Onion say officials have released a warning that the six-inch-long, provocatively done-up rodent escaped the facility at approximately 8 p.m. last night. The rodent was last seen wearing a testing formulation of L'Oreal's 191664 Rosewine lip shade when she, quote, dropped it low in front of an unsuspecting guard. The victim says he was distracted by her perfect pouty mouth and was bewitched into unlocking its cage and letting her escape. The L'Oreal CEO says the production of this product must be stopped immediately until the company determines how the rat was able to not only stun over a dozen officers with her craveable come-hither look. The CEO emphasized, we will not allow a lip color this sultry, this durable, this dangerous to be sold. In the meantime, The Onion is reporting that residents are encouraged to take extra precautions while out at night as the rat's no smear lip color stays flawless for up to 12 hours. Well done. Wow. Wow. Done. And that thing is hauling ass. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I gave fast telephone. All right, so for Bert, let it literally get down to like three quarters and then start the teleprompter. So it's it's not going to matter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you write this one? Okay, I put it right here. Nice job, by the way, Abby. That's what I do. Here we go. (laughs) Whoa, stop what you're doing. Breaking news now on The Bird Show. A grisly scene in the rural area of Aquaboke, New York over the weekend after a man came face to face with a Hugh <laughs> At first, the man thought it was a Nabucca sausage, but turns out it was actually a Hubucca Easy mistake to make when it's clearly apparent seeing prehistoric animals from the late Cretaceous of Makachan, western Mexico. The man was quickly rushed to the nearest doctor, which happened to be an olive. Oh, no, no. The man of French descent spoke very little English and in an ignominious moment could only yell at the doctors in French, The opportunist thought it was a super, I can't, I've lost it. 
Something about ibuprofen at the very end. <laughs> very well done. Uh, Are these real words? Are these real words? Yes. They are. Everyone was a real Damn. word. My San Diego State education has never seen any of that. That is for sure. It is tougher than it looks. Yes, it is. It is. Much tougher. However, you're French. Impeccable, sir. Very, very good. I should have chosen another language. That was impressive. I think we got to try it again when we know that the teleprompter is working at the right angle uh-huh. and the right speed. Yes. That is difficult. It, it is very. So I think we should give more mad props to our local news uh, news anchors. got to get Blake on here to do it again oh yeah. he's doing it up in nashville that would be great are you looking for excitement in atlanta well you got it right down the street at mercedes-benz that's where atlanta united plays and i've been telling you for years it's one of the most exciting nights that you will have with your family soccer is different it's just different than going to a football game baseball game there is no downtime i mean the excitement lasts the entire game at an atlanta united match and it doesn't even matter if you're really really into soccer or not i'll tell you one way to get into soccer just go to one atlanta united game and you will get caught up in the excitement so much that you'll become a lifelong fan i'm telling you this right now I love bringing my son Hollis there. I love bringing his friends there. I know it's going to be a safe family event, and I know I'm going to walk out of there. I got some memories now with my kids. So don't look any further. You got one of the best soccer teams in the country right here in our own backyard, Atlanta United. Just give it one try, Atlanta United. You can always get your tickets at atlutd.com. Hey, y'all, it's Katie here from The Bird Show. Pride unites us all, and so does Atlanta United. That's why I'm giving you the chance to win a spot in The Bird Show's Pride Night Suite in celebration of Pride Month. That's right. Join me and The Bird Show crew on Sunday, June 2nd, as Atlanta United takes on the fierce rival, Charlotte FC, with kickoff at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We need to beat Charlotte, so we will be loud and proud. Believe that. Oh, and by the way, did I mention Atlanta United is giving away a -a one-of-a-kind Pride-inspired towel, plus a $5 donation to Lost and Found Youth, an Atlanta-based nonprofit that provides services to the LGBTQ plus youth, which is included with your Pride Night ticket pack. Remember, to enter for your chance to win a spot in the Bird Show's Pride Night Suite, head over to thebirdshow.com. To guarantee your tickets and Pride towel, go to atlutd.com and click the promotional packs tab for more details. Can't wait to see you all there June 2nd at 4.30 p.m. Together, we are Atlanta. Atlanta United. See you there. If you're looking for somewhere to celebrate, whether it be a birthday or a graduation or anniversary, may I recommend an Atlanta United match? So my husband and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. He is a massive Atlanta United fan. So, of course, we decided to go to a match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and had the best time. I'm telling you, if you're a super fan, if you're a casual fan, going to an Atlanta United match is a great way to celebrate. My husband got to watch a great match and I got to enjoy delicious wine and I also may have gone to the team shop and got myself a new sweatshirt. I'm very excited about my new Atlanta United sweatshirt. (laughs) And kudos to Atlanta's fan base because every time we ride Marta to go down to a match, it is packed full of people wearing their Atlanta United gear. Visit atlutd.com for tickets and also for the match schedule. That's atlutd.com. You're on The Burt Show. Kaylee, I think you are going through something that a majority of parents are dealing with with young kids. Oh my God, yes. Okay, how old is your son, Kai? He just turned 11. And he wants to do what? 
start his own YouTube oh, channel. Oh, no. Oh, wow. No, no. no, no. Okay. So and I have uh, 11-year-old niece and nephews, and I can see it in her eyes that this is something she would love to do as well. Yeah, and I've been fighting it. He's been wanting it, and and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and at one point, it was like, I don't know, six or seven months ago, I kind of was like, maybe, and I actually, those words came out of my mouth, maybe, and then he was on me, like, can I do it? Can we do it? Can we set it up today? Can we set it up today? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I can't, I can't get mad at him for that because he's like me. He's very persistent. He asks for what he wants, but I try to limit YouTube watching in general because I mean, he would just watch mindless crap for hours. And a lot of it is mindless. Like there's, there are some that have educational value to them. And then there are others that are just drivel. And there are there are a couple of channels that he really likes. Like there's this, these guys make so much money. The Dude Perfect, the Trick Shot guys, um, and uh, they even like had like a concert thing that I brought them to. And so they, and I think that's where they made all their money was on YouTube doing these like crazy trick shots. Um, but he's, just, I mean, constantly, like, I'll come home, and I can see he's on it. I'm like, get off of YouTube. So now just the fact of him, like, going to stare at it. Oh, my God, I got likes. I got subscribers. Uh. And I could just see the addiction and the mindless stuff. So anyway, I've been trying to avoid it. Does now, he have a premise? Is there something specific that he wanted to do? Um... Be on YouTube. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> so he found a way to circumvent me. Oh, he did? Yes, he did. Is it? Is it his mother? Uh, no, no. Mom's on board with that because yeah. she'll go, ask your dad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, thanks. You're leaving that, all that decision-making weight on me. Yep. So him and one of his best friends who live in the neighborhood decided that they would get his dad to start a YouTube channel, like a secondary channel underneath him. Oh, so wait, so the dad already uh, has a YouTube channel? Well, his, yeah, the dad has, well, he has a YouTube account. Okay. So he let my son and his son start one under his account. Time out, without time a, out. Yeah, go without ahead. Without asking you or your wife's well, permission? Well, I mean, it's technically his. No, but your kid's a part of it. And so you can't start a YouTube channel and put another parent's child's face on the internet. I'm not worried about, like... We are. I'm worried. Yeah, that's Uh -uh. wrong. You can't do that. Well, why not? Because that's my kid. That doesn't make me mad. Like, like it's not the... I'm not trying to hide his face. I know you're not. But as, as, like, parent to parent, it just seems like that is, one, common decency, common courtesy, like, whatever you want to say, proper protocol. Like, if somebody put my kid on their YouTube channel and didn't get parental consent, that's a huge issue. Now you're making me mad. Now I'm going to have to send him a, a nasty letter. No, and I love the, I love his parent, this kid's parents, and okay. I love the kid. He's a really good kid. Um, and they do a lot for my son. They take him constantly out to dinner, and, and they're just really, they're both really, really good kids. So, but now what's making me even more mad is the amount of success they are having with these stupid videos. Okay. Like, right. I am more pissed off about that than anything else. So your son could have been getting all the credit. See? See what you did? Yeah. Well, I mean, they are getting all the credit. So so the name of their channel is It Hurts. And, so, and this up. is Kai and his buddy, his little friend. Yeah. 
And so they have a, their own YouTube channel called It Hurts. Yes. And what are they doing? Stupid, <laughs> mindless nonsense. Little skits, uh, you know, uh-huh. that they're doing. But do you realize, okay, so now I haven't had all the time to execute as much marketing as I would have liked to with my podcast. Um, I do do a little bit, but I'm kind of been a one-man army and as I'm building this team. And you believe it or not, in like weeks, he is already, he has like 10 times more subscribers than me. He's got <laughs> videos that have views of like 10,000. And I'm like, I don't have a video that's been viewed 10,000 times. Are you sure? Because I just did a search on YouTube. I cannot find his channel. Yeah, I think it's It Hurts. It Hurts? <laughs> How successful well, can it be? It Hurts Me. Um, I think that's what it's called. It's got like a bullseye icon. Well, so, he, so he's, you didn't want him to do it, but he found a way to do it, and now he's doing it. And, and so now he's having success. So okay. now I'm like, well. Did you ask him for advice? Yeah. <laughs> hey, help me produce some mindless crap that's going to get me lots of hits. Well, I'm like, okay, so, I mean, I can't fight. So do I just let him just have a chat? He's going to have it anyway. No, he's not. And so why can't I make money off of him? <laughs> why can't I hone in on that and be like one of those parents that's just selling their kids out? Raking in the dough. Well, yeah, right? Some like, of those kids make bank, dude. I know, like this kid that opens up stupid toys. Like, here, here's this Barbie doll, and I'm going to make... Millions. Million, yeah, they millions. millions. You can't find it, Abby? I can't find it. Oh, sorry. Well, send it to it's me. It's there. I will. I'll send it to you. But yeah, I'm very upset. So <laughs> I need therapy about it. Listen, it's the Burt Show. All right, on to some email here. So if you got something going on in your life you want to share with the Burt Show, try to get some advice from Burt Show fam all over the city, go ahead and hit us up at theburtshow.com. In this case, her sister's offering her 30 bucks a day to babysit her two kids. Is she getting taken advantage of? What is, like, the going right now? Um, it's not $30 a day. I can tell you that for <laughs> dang sure. Um, but we can look that up as far as, like, what the average daycare is just exorbitant. And is it then, crazy? Oh, my God. There's a there's There could potentially be – this has been a huge issue, um, and there could potentially be also a daycare shortage, and parents were freaking out not knowing what they're going to do. But a lot of parents have been lamenting that they literally work just so they can pay somebody else to watch their kids. Yeah, and and it's, it's really, really deflating. I mean, this is just pure capitalism here. Also, if there are less people that are in the profession, they can charge more. Yes. Right. All right, so the letter reads, Hey, Burt Show, is my sister taking advantage of me? I am very currently blessed to be able to stay home with my son eight months. Recently, though, I've been given the opportunity to babysit two little girls, eight and two, from my church. Their mom, a former nanny, is paying $80 a day for me to babysit her two daughters two days a week. My twin sister is now starting to work full-time in retail this coming Monday. She's asked me to come up with a weekly price to babysit her son, who is four, four days a week. After discussing with my husband, we decided $50 a day, $200 a week as a minimum because she's family. After discussing with her husband, they don't like the very very expensive rate we offered and are suggesting a rate of $30 a day. I love my nephew, but that's literally less than half of the family from church. My husband thinks this is unreasonable and slightly insulting and isn't willing to accept that. Minimum wage in Idaho is $7.25, and she'd be paying about half of minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Am I in the wrong because he's, uh, because he's family? Are we the unreasonable ones? 
P.S. She just got a $6 raise in addition to working full-time hours. Facebook listener, Sierra. All right, moms on the show are going to have to get in on this one. one 855 because in my mind, I would try to make this very business-like and take the family part of it right out. You have to. Um, but most people in a family can't do that because they're going to throw that family thing around. Mm-hmm. I Look, I would just make it a business thing. Let's sit down and talk about it okay. and look at it like it's a math problem. Yeah, and it's one of those where you come up with, um, you know, you're you're throwing first offers out there, mm-hmm. and then, you like, you negotiate. So you said you know, 50. She said 30. So go back at her with 40. I think that's fair. And I don't have kids, but I do know that it's been a really difficult thing for my friends that have just started having babies. I mean, it's like you said, Kristen, it's like a second mortgage when it comes to childcare. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to do the best you can to get the deal that makes sense for both of you. But yeah, it ain't an easy thing. Mm-mm. What's up, Cass? Um, you hold out for that higher dollar amount. Just because your family decided to have a baby does not make you obligated to give them free child care. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is someone who would love to have family nearby to give me free child care. Because it really does take a village, but we're in a time now where you have to hire your village. And I don't think it's fair for one person to make a decision and then expect everyone else to sacrifice because of your decision. Now, I think giving a prorated rate for family is a really nice thing to do. I also don't think that's necessary because you Mm -hmm. could be sitting somebody else's kids and making that bank. Why should you have to make less money and suffer unless you know your fam's in a really hard, tough like position and you want to help them out? Yeah, you shouldn't have to cut back on your life so that they can live theirs. You should look at it like it's a bit a business decision, Mm -hmm. and there's no blood involved whatsoever. Because even if you do take this job and you take it for less money, you're just going to, like, feel like you're getting taken advantage of. Because you are. Because you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, let's get Holly on hold here. Holly's coming on hold. Here we go. Holly, Holly. Old Holly. <laughs> hey, Holly, good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are you? Good. All right. So she thinks that she is being taken advantage of because she's the sis here. That's, that's not the case, actually, because you're not paying daycares by the hour. That would be more of a babysitting rate. Mm-hmm. But, in, like, at the end of the day, I pay a daycare way less than seven fifty an hour, whatever she says the minimum wage is, because you're, you're paying, like, for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if she was paying a date, like, a babysitter for, like, you know, two hours to watch her kid at the end of the night outside of daycare hours, absolutely, you know, paid 10 to $15 an hour for that. But for work hours, I pay a daycare two, two, no, 150 a week. So if she's charging her family mm. 200 a week, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's going to be a little bit steeper than an actual daycare would mm. charge. Okay. And it's for four days, not five. And it's for four days, not five. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think there's our answer. Listen, it's the Burt Show. All right. So a friend of her dad's has asked her out on a date. She wants to go, but she doesn't know if she should tell her pops first. I know it's messy and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So Burt Show listeners, if there's anybody, because I guarantee somebody listening has been in this situation. So if you have ever dated your dad's friend and would like to share how it went, 1-855-BURT-SHOW. 855-237-8746. 855-237-8746. Phone lines are open. All right, so the email reads, Hey, Burt Show, I'm going to cut right to the chase. One of my dad's friends has asked me out, and I really want to go, but I'm worried my dad is going to freak out. The deeds I think you need are, 
He and my dad are friends but aren't BFF. They are work friends who actually joined a pickleball league, uh, pickleball league together. He's younger than my dad but still 17 years older than me. I'm 23. He's 40. My dad is 52. He joined my company's, uh, my, sorry, he joined my dad's company about six years ago, and that's when I met him. It hasn't been until recently that I've felt this flirtatious vibe between the two of us. We exchange numbers and have been texting for a few months. It's been fun, and if I'm being honest, I kind of like the secretiveness of it. He asked me out on an official date, and I really want to go. I just don't know what to do about my dad. Do I still keep my dad in the dark? Do I give him a heads up? Is this completely inappropriate? And should I end things with, in quotations, Zach? He's a kind man who, he's a kind man who also happens to be incredibly hot. <laughs> he's divorced with no kids. I am really vibing with him and would like to see where this could go. I just know my dad is going to lose his S when he finds out. Thanks for any advice. All right, so Abby, Ooh. you are talking to one of your dad's friends. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> In this hypothetical, you are. You're talking to one of your dad's friends. How would you proceed? He's incredibly hot. He is incredibly hot. I'm just trying to picture. No it kids. No. No. He <laughs> yeah, that's. You know what? That's a plus. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm just trying to picture this because my dad just has like the group of nerdiest old guys ever. So it's hard for me to picture like a hot older man. So let me like think of like a Matt Damon or something. Like if I'm talking to yep. Matt Damon, mm-hmm. if my dad is friends with Matt Damon. <sighs> I got to say, I think I would fold. I think, and I think I would keep it a secret too, because I know my dad and I know my dad would not respond well to this. And I think if I was really serious about Matt Damon, <laughs> I love how music is. Yeah. Like, like I said, this is a possibility. If I was serious about it as a relationship and we had really built something beautiful together, I think it would make a lot more sense. And my dad would be a lot more on board if he could see it. And he could kind of see it played out. Like if we both approached him like, hey, we've been dating for six months, but like we're really in love and this is really going somewhere. I think he would be more likely to not have a freak out. Whereas if you said, hey, I want to go on a first date, I think my dad would have a conniption. So you would you would keep it under wraps unless there was something to tell. Yes, exactly. Mo? It would be tough for me to sit here as a man and give her advice to say to keep this from your dad. Um, I get it. And if I were in that position, I probably wouldn't say anything, to be honest. But I feel like if he was a stand-up guy, he would mention it to her dad. Mm. You know, if you if you if you genuinely feel like you are interested in her, I think the 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 grown man move to make is to actually say, and it probably will ruin the relationship. I think you know that going in. But I think he should mention it to her dad. And if he doesn't, that's enough for me to know that she should. All right, let me throw a hypothetical at you. Your friend comes to you. And says he wants to take your daughter out. Our friendship is over. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go any further. <laughs> That's it. Cass. No one needs to tell dad, and here's why. You're two consenting adults. And this, I went through this, so I completely understand it in my young 20s. You dated one of your dad's friends? No, 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 no. Sorry. I meant, I went through the mentality of, like, everything I do, I have to tell my parents, and they have to approve of, and they have to know everything, because that's where you just came from. Like, literally 18, maybe more years of your life were spent under your parents' roof, if you're lucky and privileged, where you had to report to them, and they had to basically essentially sign off on everything. You're 23. You can do what you want. This isn't your dad. If this was your dad's best friend or part of his inner circle, very different. This is a guy he plays pickleball with that he works with. 
date the dude, have fun. I wouldn't tell dad. And then I would take Abby's advice, see where it goes. If it forms into something solid, then you can tell dad. Otherwise, it's honestly none of dad's business and neither of them needs to tell. But mm-hmm. she never would have met him if it weren't for dad. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that no. doesn't matter. No. Like it's, it, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters how you met. I think I, I think it just matters the friendship, but they don't even sound like they're that good of friends. So I, I'm keeping this thing under wraps. But they play pickleball together. Oh God, it's not that serious. So brotherhood, <laughs> once the pickles involved. <laughs> they're hitting balls on the court. <laughs> it's not a marriage. Balls in the court, balls in the bedroom. Okay, oh. all right. The only thing that would change this for me is if this 40 year old dude reported to your dad in some capacity in the hierarchy at work, because then that's sketch and it's weird and there's a power dynamic there, mm. and I would feel used. Got it. This is The Bird Show. All right, we're going to call her Rosie, and she's on The Voice Disguise. So Rosie, we're talking about family scams, where you got mom involved, maybe dad involved, the kids are involved. My uh, my uh, boyfriend at the time, his mother and his aunt stole my dead grandmother's identity. <gasps> what the wow. hell? Your dead grandmother's identity? Yes. Okay, we're going to need some deets on this one. Um, he, he, They have a lot of problems with substance abuse in their family. Yep. And so I guess they thought, oh, well, she's got it. You know, her grandmother's dead anyway. They'll get it back. So they got her ID, her checkbook, and put their picture over her picture and went into, like, Burlington and Publix and spent, like, over $5,000 worth of money out of her account. I don't know how these people live with themselves, man. I don't know. I really don't. It, are you still with the... I mean, obviously, it's not his fault that his mom and his aunt are the way they are, but are you still with him? Yes, I am. Got it. And, his mother and his aunt are no longer here, so... Gotcha. That was the only way out of that one. <laughs> 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 All right, Rosie, thank you for calling. Appreciate it. No problem. All right, so we can hire our private investigator mm-hmm. and see if her gut is right on. $245 million, she says she's worth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doubt it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> either. All right, producer Katie here is at a crossroads. She could probably really use Kristen's help on this one. She's the one that put me into panic mode. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we drink on the beach and then we get in these deep, meaningful conversations. I started to freak out, Kristen. No, <laughs> what did you do to Katie? I didn't do nothing. What did you do? She asked me a question about children, right? And for those who don't know, I'm a lesbian. So, of course, I have to actually plan when I want to have kids. And I think it started when you asked me what the ethnicity was going to be of the child. You asked me if I wanted a mixed kid or not. God, was, yeah. yeah. We... <laughs> that was <laughs> always... <laughs> you guys are on the beach. Sitting on the beach. <laughs> 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 I wish y'all could have seen Kristen's face just then. Well, the conversation is coming back to me, and I'm also wondering if maybe edibles had been involved in that conversation. (laughs) We had a really lovely time. How does this even come up? Hey, Katie, I'd really like to keep it nice and light with you. Um, I got a couple of questions for you. But that <laughs> that led to a wormhole yeah. uh, of a conversation because as we were talking about that, <laughs> I let her know that more often than like more likely, my child will be mixed because looking for a donor and going to a bank, only four percent or fewer of donors are black. Is that right? I yes. know. I found that fascinating. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For all sperm donors. So more- McCann has been pretty successful. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he should make up for whatever we lack. Yeah. It would probably be 1%. <laughs> but Nick made that average up. That's a fact. <laughs> so I, that's one thing that I had to account for and start thinking about. But then it's also, how do I want to do this? Because it would be very expensive. Yeah, this is when the, con- like, so the, the, con- the entire conversation was highly fascinating. And I am a huge advocate. Um, you don't ask a woman when they're having kids if they're having kids. But Katie has explained that she wants kids, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, she, she wants to have children. She'd like to have multiple children because she's been an only child growing up, which is why I felt comfortable knowing that information Going into this conversation, I don't want you going around asking people, hey, are you going to have kids and are they going to be biracial? Like, don't do that. <laughs> no, you don't, should do it this, mor- this morning. <laughs> Go to the Waffle House. <laughs> hey, you want kids? Are they going to be biracial? And then Katie started telling me all this information about um, the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. when it comes to same sexes trying to have kids. Mm-hmm. And it's always... With women I've dated, there's always been a different conversation about kids. I've dated a woman who was like, I will carry your egg for you, and I'll hold the baby, but it'll be your egg. So technically, it's like still we have an attachment to a child. Or Yeah, that was the other question I asked her, if she wanted to carry the baby or not. Yep. That- <laughs> and I do want to carry a child, too. But I would also do that for whoever my partner is. I would carry her egg, you know, and vice versa. But as we went on with this conversation, it's I can do it the professional way which would cost me, like, thousands and thousands of dollars. Going to a fertility clinic. But then there's also insemination kits that you can purchase. Whoa, whoa. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't know where we are anymore. Over-the-counter <laughs> insemination kits. Mm-hmm. It's basically a better way of a turkey baster method. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's an actual kit that yeah. can help you, and that's, like, huh. a couple of hundred dollars. Wow. Instead of tens of thousands. Yeah. Well, granted, so IVF is very, like, that's, so this is more of, like, an IUI kind of situation, and IUI is, like, when you're placing the sperm inside instead of actually um, outside of the womb, you you pair the egg with the sperm, and you conceive, and then you put it, you know, you, you put it back inside of you. So that's not this situation. This is where you get... The man's stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you put it in some kind of tube thing. Uh huh. And then you boop. Yeah. What's the last part you did? The poop part. The <laughs> boop. What is that? The boop. That that's, that's the... putting it inside of you. Oh, okay. While you're oh, you ovulating. were pushing up. Yes. Okay. It I'm... looked like you were cutting something off. No, I'm taking the plunger. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm holding it. That's more it. like scissors. <laughs> <I don't> think... <laughs> Damn, that seems like a hell of a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take, take take my junk and then take my junk. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. It's like a super soaker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that would be a viable option for you? Yes, and there's there's so many different methods, and I would probably go with the kit because it's much cheaper. But as we're having this conversation, I started to realize, (laughs) Katie, you're pushing 30, right? I'm only, like, months away, right? And (laughs) (laughs) just hit you, huh? I'm still single, right? (laughs) They say that when you hit 35, you got to worry about your eggs. And Kristen says... Have you ever thought about freezing them? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't know. What, this is what we're vac- still on the beach at this point, huh? <laughs> this is what vacation looks like with you. This is vacation. So, so you still want to go on vacation no. with me? <laughs> but then I actually started thinking about it. Is it something that I need to do? Like, I don't know what the future looks like and partner and how I'm going to have kids. So I, this is something I actually have to consider. And I was a big advocate of freezing your eggs. Well, you'll have the answers to all these questions if you just go on one more vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where to next? 
weirdo. It's the Burt Show. This is the Burt Show.